77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Read. I have faith, ladies and gentlemen, that one day uh, we won't have to listen to that. Uh, that junior high school broadcaster substituting for Bill O'Reilly, Mike Slater, Slatter, whatever the hell his name is. Oh, my God. How bad can bad be? The number one news talk station in the nation, and it's sort of like a junior high school radio with that guy. Hey, O'Reilly, wherever you are, think you could pick a, a substitute a little better quality? You heard Lydia Serrani from 10 to 12 because with Brian away, he had some junior high school broadcast uh, the day before, and management here said, no way. This is not the Ted Mack original amateur hour, but let's get right into it because Lenny Kravitz sums it all up. Southwest Airlines, 70% of its flights canceled Tuesday, 60% uh, today. Who knows how many Thursday, Friday. It's just un miserable. Now, remember... Most of the other airlines, although they had canceled flights, did not have anywhere near as many canceled flights as Southwest. I mean, a complete meltdown, a complete disaster. You're looking at about 2% of the flights of the major carriers, American, United, Delta, JetBlue. And then 60 to 70% of Southwest. And I always like Southwest. First of all, very personable stewards and stewardesses. They make jokes. They entertain. They wear Hawaiian shirts. No, they're not Proud Boys. This is long before they were Proud Boys. And they're entertaining the aisles. And the pilot, co-pilot come out. They're, they're engaging. The seats are nice. It's usually on time. In fact, they had special routes to MacArthur Airport out in Long Island. I love that because there were no delays. So I would take the Long Island Railroad to Penn Station out to Ron Konkuma, take the Jitney bus from there, boom, right to the front gate, no problem. Southwest would fly away. You might have to link up in Baltimore, catch a flight, Baltimore International, Washington, Baltimore. But then you're on your way to your destination. Absolutely phenomenal. And now they've just gone through the mother of all meltdowns. I mean this. It's incredible, even when you base it on other airlines, and we'll be mentioning a few that had their own meltdowns in just the last few years in the winter. But this one is Southwest all day, all night, 24-7-365. Here's customer number one. I'm lucky to have gotten on another flight, but it was very expensive. And I haven't been able to get a hold of anyone on Southwest to reimburse me for my original flight. What's the matter? No call center operators in New Delhi in India or over in the Philippines or at prisons around the country? I need my music. Hey, hey, hey. By the way, Diego, do you realize that I am different than most talk show hosts and hostesses? I like my music bed underneath. You know, it's the motivation. It gets everybody thinking, yeah, Lenny Kravitz, a 
Kravitz. I just want to fly away. I just want to fly away. Like who? In Air Force One? Yes, he's taking another vacation to St. Croix, the Virgin Islands. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Biden. Uh, tag team. We're going to talk about that later because apparently leaving St. Croix, the Virgin Islands, sort of setting the way was uh, Eric Adams, swagger man with no man who identifies himself as the Biden of Brooklyn. He was there like three days. So I guess he told them, oh, it's really good here. You think they're going to Pedophile Island? You think maybe they say we're going to St. Croix, Virgin Islands? Because Pedophile Island, they remember the Jeffrey Epstein Island, that all these perverted American politicians flew there with Jeffrey Epstein with the Lolita Express from Teterboro Airport, remember? What do we have? We had Bill Clinton. We had Donald Trump. We had Bill Gates. We had Bill Richardson, former governor of New Mexico. We could go on and on and on and on. But I digress. Let's get back on track to normal commercial routes, especially Southwest customer complaints, which are oozing like lava out of a volcano in Hawaii. Delayed, 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 and delayed, and delayed, and delayed, and then canceled. <laughs> it's been stressful. It's been pretty tough. Uh, Southwest was a mess. Yeah, total mess. And by the way, uh, with the prices they charge there in the uh, food court, oh my God, you need to take a reverse mortgage and a payday loan just to afford that food. Do you think they would knock down the price? Of course not. Do you think Southwest... Uh, would engage their passengers and say, hey, all the food's on us, right? We'll put you... Oh, we can't put you up in those hotels all along LaGuardia because they house the illegal aliens now and homeless people. So all those hotels that normally would be empty, right? This would be the perfect time to pack them in from South... I can't do it. There's not a room available in the inn. The only room you got... It's what the baby Jesus had in the manger with the carpenter Joseph and Mary, which is out there, out there on 110th Street in Corona. But I digress again. Here's another unsatisfied passenger at LaGuardia earlier today. I would like to see them first get you out of your flight on time. And secondly, they should give you, if they're going to cancel a flight or have some type of issue, they should let you know before you get to the airport. You cannot call the 1-800 number. So I cannot physically talk to anybody. You know, it sounds like when you're trying to contact Facebook or Instagram, right, or uh, YouTube or Twitter, you know, how they give you a number and nobody ever answers it because there's nobody there. Nobody ever answers the phones at the social networking uh, companies in Silicon Valley. Never. And I guess the airlines, they give you an 800 number, and they're not even staffing the uh, phone banks in the third world countries. Oh, yeah. How many times have I called the 1-800 number and I say, is this Gunga Din in New Delhi? No, uh, not in New Delhi. I I, I detect detect here a little... uh, a little accent here, like you're a Bengali. You call me a Bengali? The guy starts screaming, right? Ah, you are in New Delhi. Or what about in the Philippines in Manila? Anyway, knock yourself out. Call the 1-800 call center for Southwest. It's in the third world countries or prisons. They have prisoners uh, do that, too. Who could say, like, hey, if I hook you up on a flight, you think you could send me a cake uh, as part of my commissary with a... <laughs> With a saw inside. <laughs> oh, anything. Hey, I'll break you out. 
I'll write a letter to your parole board. You know some of these prisoners are going to be trying to milk this. And then, of course, there is the commandante of Southwest Airlines who's telling all you wretched, you poor. Too bad you don't have your own private Learjets like the Trendoids, Jet Setters, and Freakazoids in America. Just follow his guidance. Don't try to play lawyer at the gate and say, well, I know my rights. They can't create the airplane. They can't create the crew. Yeah, so don't even bother complaining, basically. It's like, pay for the ticket and shut up. When we get to you two weeks from now, three weeks from now, then you'll fly. In the meantime, lay down on the floor there at LaGuardia or MacArthur Airport or Newark Airport or JFK. Shut up. You'll be lucky. Lucky you're in the first world. Can, can I hear that schmuck again? Uh, it's like he's the commandant of uh, Stalag 13. Don't try to play lawyer at the gate and say, well, I know my rights. They can't create the airplane. They can't create the crew. By the way... That was information that Bill, our own Bill O'Reilly, if you remember, he started the rupture with the airlines with booty shape, booty shape, booty shape, booty shape. Remember, he was on paternity leave back then, months. Months led to three months, led to uh, half a year. And where was booty shape? Missing an action. Well, he's all over Southwest. He's claiming, Southwest, you'll pay for this. What's he going to do? Take him out of business? What is he going to do? Have the government take over Southwest? If the government were to run anything, he would run it right into the ground. But remember, forcefully, there was Bill O'Reilly. He was ready to take his annual vacation with his buddies. I think they all had gone to Chaminade at some point, flying off to some West Indian Caribbean island. And then they gave him the rope-a-dope. That was JetBlue. They gave him the rope-a-dope. This was back in July, before July 4th. And he raised a ruckus better because the biden administration doesn't care am i getting through to everyone if you go to the airport it's a dice roll you'll get your luggage on a plane it will take off your you know your plans will be ruined whatever it may be spring breakers were stranded for days couldn't get back horror show after horror show nobody in the biden administration doing anything about it you surprised bill o'reilly was correct then and you see it just got worse as the weather got worse it's Southwest now, but I remember slowly I step, step by step. He mentioned JetBlue. Let me take you back to, what was it? I'm scratching my head. I think it was February 1st or January 31st of 2022. That's right. Remember how JetBlue, hmm, wait a second. It's two years ago. Hold on. Two years ago. Remember the frozen tarmac at LaGuardia? Remember how many people at JFK were stranded? Remember how JetBlue told them that there would be no flights because they couldn't come up with the crews, they couldn't come up with the maintenance, they couldn't come up with the mechanics. They were scrambling, they were scrambling. And remember, passenger after passenger said what Bill O'Reilly did, fighting for flyers' rights. I'll never fly JetBlue again. JetBlue, two years ago, remember, was in the same boat as Southwest, although not as severe. And yet, how many of those same people are flying JetBlue now, right? How many of those same people say, gee, I'm so much happier being on a JetBlue flight than Southwest. In fact, I'll never forget, they were sleeping in the departure areas for days on end. In fact, <laughs> they would say, I'm not going into New York City. I know it's too dangerous. I'll stay out here. 
and even in the tarmacs out in JFK and LaGuardia, you know, they have homeless people there, too, and emotionally disturbed. They go in and out of the bathrooms. They take marine showers. They have plastic bags over themselves. You're going in there. Sometimes it's like going to a bathroom in the Port Authority uh, or uh, you're going in the Penn Station or Grand Central Station. It's filled with homeless people and emotionally disturbed people who realize it's a hell of a lot better staying out here at Terminal 4 uh, in JFK than it is back at Penn Station, Grand Central Station, or the Port Authority bus terminal. In fact, at the Port Authority bus terminal, I now am in a scrum with all the illegal aliens that come in every day from Nicaragua, from Cuba, and let's not forget Maduro's Venezuelan, all courtesy of Catholic Charities. And who greets him there? Cardinal Dolan, like he's Santa Claus. Oh, welcome, welcome, my poor and impoverished children. Catholic Charities paid for your bus fare, your jet fare, is paying you for all your amenities, is giving you a swag bag. Ooh, 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 Cardinal, Cardinal Dolan, is this from the parishioners who have to contribute four times a day on Sunday? You know, first they're, uh, they're contributing to the bishop's fund and the cardinal's fund and the school fund and the local parish fund. Well, not necessarily. It's the taxpayers, because this is a racket, you understand? Catholic charity stays alive through the generosity of the American taxpayers, uh, most of whom are not Catholic, but are suckers as we milk them. And then we bring in all the illegals who are going to fill our churches on Sunday, because right now they're empty. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Sliwa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. Come on, Kevin. You can become Jewish. Jew-ish. That's right, Kevin. They don't want you because you're a Gentile. No, no, no. They only come out with the Chabad, the Mitzvah tanks, to find their lost sheep. Like Sid uh, Rosenberg, right? Who eats the BLT sandwich every day. A BLT Jew who, by the way, once uh, wanted to be born Italian with a number of crucifixes on a gold chain around his neck upon birth. And be a Roman Catholic who would go to St. Patrick's Cathedral every day. And if all of a sudden they recognize, but you're a Jew. I'm a Jew for Jesus, right? I mean, what, 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 what can we call those? How about Junitarians, right? Junitarians. It's like Christians who don't want to be Christians in their faith of birth. Like Catholics or Methodists or Presbyterians or even Evangelicals. They still want to maintain some linkage to their Christian roots, but they call themselves a Unitarian. Why? Because Unitarians do, uh, they don't really believe in a divine Jesus. They would rather hug a tree, kiss a stone. You know, they're not that kind of Christian, but they, oh, I'm still Christian, I'm Unitarian. So we have a new category where... You have Jews who really want to be Goyim and Goyim who want to be Jews, as is epitomized by George Santos. We'll get to that momentarily. I had a very long discussion with the rabbi of WABC. That's right. (laughs) Rabbi Potasnik, who said, you know, if Jackie Mason was still alive, 
He would have a field day with George Santos, now describing himself as a Jew hyphen ish. Now, what would that mean? That means here's George Santos, who now is staying at his sister's home in Elmhurst, Queens. He had the two Irish terriers, right? He had the bag from Hermes. Where did he get the money for Hermes, right? He's going in the house. All the paparazzi are there because he loves this adoration. I really blame John Katsimatidis on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion. He had the first interview with him on Monday. You know, he, he finally came out of hiding, out of the witness protection program. And ever since then, he's been talking like a yenta. He can't stop himself from talking. In fact... The next interview he does, I'll bet you to actually explain why he is uh, a Jew hyphen ish is that every uh, every Saturday, right, the Sabbath, he gets a bagel and locks. He passes by the synagogue, but he doesn't go in. That makes him a Jew hyphen ish, right? I'm trying. All right. I'm no Jackie Mason. He could have a Broadway show, a one-man show, just based on George Santos. Now, last night, I'm sitting there in the green room at Fox News Channel. I was on with Jesse Waters. He wasn't there. He was on vacation, his substitute. Naturally, we were talking about a subject that I'm very familiar with. We'll talk about it momentarily. The looting and shooting in Buffalo, right? Come on. Who's more of an expert on me than that when I was breaking up the shooting and looting? On June 1st and June 2nd of 2020, in the aftermath of the Floyd killing in South Minneapolis, and how uh, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope at that time, told the cops, retreat, step back, don't intervene, let Black Lives Matter, now big large mansions in Antifa, basically loot and shoot and go run crazy wild. I battled them with the Guardian Angels for two days, had my jaw broken. But, hey, hey, that's my battle wound. So I get a medal for that? Of course not. But let's get right into it. Last night, there's Tulsi Gabbard, congresswoman, soon to be former congresswoman, lady in white, the one that Frank Morano of the other side of Midnight adores. I mean, he's like a, what can I call him? He is a stalker when it comes to Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, I want you to run for president. Please do an interview with me. Nothing. He gets bupkis. He gets ugats from her. This morning, again, he was on from 6 to 7, substituting for 6. Oh, Tulsi, I want her for president. I want it. Shut up, Frank. She's not going to do an interview with you because she thinks you're a stalker anyway. She was substituting for Tucker Carlson. And guess who was her featured guest? Dayenta now because of John Katsimatidis can't stop himself. Listen to Tulsi, set him up, and watch George uh, Costanza, a.k.a. George Santos, dig himself a political grave. First question I really want to ask you now that all this has been revealed is what does the word integrity mean to you? Well, Tulsi, thank you for having me. You know, um, to, to answer your question, integrity is very important. And like I, I said to the New York Post, embellishing what, what does it mean, though? What does it mean? Because the, the meaning of well, the word actually matters in practice. Of course, it, it means to, to carry yourself in an honorable way. And I made a mistake. And I think humans are flawed. And we all make mistakes, Tulsi. 
Um, I think we can all look at ourselves in the mirror and admit that once in our life we made a mistake. I'm having to admit this in national television for the whole country to see, and I have the courage to do so because I believe that in order to move past this and move forward and be an effective member of Congress, I have to face my mistakes, and I'm facing them. Um, the reality is, is that I remain committed to doing everything I set forward in my campaign. I'm not a fraud. I'm not a fake. I, I, I didn't materialize from thin air. I worked damn hard to get where I got my entire life. Life wasn't easy. It didn't start off easy. As I've said it many, many times, I come from abject poverty. I made some mistakes, and I own up to them. The, and now I want to the, put this the thing past is, me so I can deliver for the American people. So he can deliver for the, He's worked hard his whole life. It's one big fraud. You know, it reminds me of... And the problem is uh, George Santos is not likable. The more he talks, the more you dislike this guy, right? He's not George Costanza, the likable, pathological liar of Seinfeld. Now, there are some similarities. Remember, George Costanza, a.k.a. Jason Alexander, lived in Bayside. Remember? Bayside, Queens. George Santos said he grew up in Whitestone, although I don't even believe his name is George Santos anymore. And remember, George Costanza got kicked out of his family celebration of Festus and then started concocting schemes such as pretending to be an architect or a marine biologist or a prospective hire by the non-existent latex importer. Remember, Vandalay Industries, who could forget that? But he's a likable fraud. George Santos, the more he talks, the more you just want to go take a shower. It's like you just soiled you. Like, shut up! Unlike George Costanza, if you remember, when all of a sudden he, remember that episode where he was caught having sex with the cleaning lady? It's come to my attention that you and the cleaning woman have engaged in sexual intercourse on the desk in your office. Who said that? She did. Was that wrong? Should I not have done that? I tell you, I got to plead ignorance on this thing because if anyone had said anything to me at all when I first started here that that sort of thing was frowned upon. You know, because I've worked in a lot of offices and I tell you, people do that all the time. You're fired. Well, you didn't have to say it like that. I, I want you out of here by the end of the day. Want you out of here by the end of a day of the day. And remember that famous line George Costanza said to Seinfeld as he was leaving the diner? It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> Could I hear that one more time, please? It's not a lie if you believe it. Uh, there's so many politicians who have told the same lie over and over again that eventually they believe it. And when you uh, get to uh, George Santos... Uh, his adversary was a guy named Robert Zimmerman. He's a real nebbishy, schlubby pisher. He hide, uh, hid behind the skirt of uh, Cindy Adams and Joan Hamburg. Joan Hamburg gave him a half-hour interview. Joan Hamburg never gives any politician an interview. But, oh, he's so likable, Robert Zimmerman. He didn't spend any money on negative research. All you had to do was Google this guy. And, in fact, yesterday with John Katsimatidis, John asked him, why didn't you spend any money uh, to negatively research this guy? It was all that. Oh, we did, but the media didn't want to uh, have any part of it. This guy Zimmerman debated George Santos twice, public debates. He never once 
never once asked him any of these questions like, are you a Jew? Uh, by the way, uh, where did you get the $700,000 to self-fund your campaign? Never asked any of those questions. What is he talking about? He didn't spend a penny. And now he wants, oh, I want a special election. Tough noogie, Zimmerman. Go back to being that nebbishy, schlubby pitcher hiding behind the skirts of Cindy Adams and Joan Hamburger. Shame on you. Shame on you. But a special shame on you goes to George Santos. In fact, I have a feeling that once we get into this, and again, I want Anthony Weiner. Anthony Weiner is on today, right, substituting for Bo Snardley from 4 to 5. I want him to get into the heart of this because it seems to me that the Jewish religion is like a la carte. Anybody can be a Jew, right? Hey, I want to be a Jew. When it, when it is convenient to them, when all of a sudden the Gentiles get riled up and launch a pogrom. I'm not a Jew. No, 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 no. And there they are. They're hiding under, under the, uh, the Castro convertible. I would bet you that if you really probe George Santos, he would tell you that his bar mitzvah was in a church because his temple was still under construction. I would bet you he would say that. <laughs> so we have, in this case, our own Sid Rosenberg, who is a, oh, man, it's like, I mean, I, I, a Junitarian, a guy who wishes he was born an Italian stallion, you know, with the gold chains, with the crucifixes, a Sicilian, of course, had to be a cheech because of his dark skin, wishes and will end up eventually, I predict, all the times he goes to St. Patrick's Cathedral, he will be like Al Pacino putting his finger in the holy water in Devil's Advocate. It'll start boiling. Speaking of boiling, there she was up in the helicopter. Kathy Crime Wave Hoker. Oh, boy. Where the National Guard should have been called out on Thursday with all the warnings of an impending disaster of a uh, snow tsunami, a... Uh, a snow bomb hitting uh, Buffalo off of uh, Lake Erie. She paid no attention because she was too busy negotiating pay raises for the elected officials in Albany. Oh, that was the priority. And then what did she do on Friday? Nothing. She was in Albany. What did she do on Saturday? Did she fly to, to, uh, uh, to her home area of Buffalo, which had already been hit with snow, ice, and sleet? And, I mean... Almost like hurricane winds starting at 12 noon on Friday. No, she came down. Oh, she came down. She landed at Floyd Bennett Field. Remember, how come nobody in the media has this? I still ask this question. I said it yesterday. She left Albany in the state uh, trooper helicopter at 914 on Saturday morning. Landed at 1027 Floyd Bennett Field. Avoided the Irish Riviera, you know, the ponds at Bell Harbor. Didn't go towards Breezy Point. Didn't go down towards Broad Channel or, or Howard Beach. Went out to Far Rockaway. Had a 45-minute press conference. Then got back on the helicopter. Went back to Albany. She spent more time flying in the air to cover up for Eric Adams, who we now find out was on a vacation, he says, in the Virgin Islands doing him a solid when she should have been in Buffalo. And then she still didn't go to Buffalo. Once she got back to Albany in the afternoon, she stayed in Albany for Christmas Eve, didn't show up in Buffalo until two days later, five o'clock on Sunday. The damage was already done and there were no National Guard. 
and there was shooting and looting in the streets. The looters already had appropriated the snowmobiles. The cops couldn't get around because of the snow, no fire engines. But, oh, boy, the looters had no problems doing that. You are a double disgraziata, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. How are you going to explain this? What? She does. She blames it on what? Global warming. The conditions, the blinding snow, the zero visibility, absolute whiteouts, uh, it may go down as one of the worst in history. So it's very clear to me that the effects of climate change are wreaking havoc everywhere. You keep thinking that, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. You keep thinking that. Talking about this is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. So Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. We now have a new moniker, a new nickname uh, for him. Out-of-town Adams had disappeared for three days during the weather emergency. Surfaced for the Christmas Eve mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral and then told the New York Post reporter that, well, I've been ducking you guys at the Post. And he continued to duck reporters all day Sunday, all day Monday. And then finally he was confronted at City Hall Yesterday on Tuesday, and first one out of the docket, it's a New York Post reporter who stuck it to him. Mr. Mayor, where were you on Thursday and Friday? The, I was in uh, the uh, U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, and, you know, it was interesting that um, after 365 days of working, without a day off, uh, sun up to sundown. I was really surprised at your response. You know, I saw a live, uh, a live, uh, uh, the press conference, and I was amazed to see how you responded. You know, this is my second Christmas without my mother. And last year, I was really the state of depression and what I put my staff through. And I said, I can't do that again. So after 365 days of commitment to the city, I decided to take two days to reflect on mommy. Unbelievable. Hiding behind the death of his mother. That occurred over a year ago. Well, we know why he was depressed, because it turned out Mr. Big Stuff was not big at all. He had a worse first year than Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. But he went on, instead of uh, apologizing for not informing uh, the public, he decided to attack the media. And to watch how you responded to my two days out of this city was really alarming. I deserve good work-life balance like you do. I bet you you went on a vacation. I bet you you have not broke 365 days in the city. I bet you have not dealt with people being killed, fires, police officers dying. And you probably still have your parents. You don't know that. How do you know that Post reporter still has his parents? You wanted to be mayor. I wanted to be mayor. Now you're complaining? You need a mental health vacation because, oh, my God. 
such bullfeather, and you to intimidate because he knows they're predominantly McWhitey Whiteys, black guys screaming, yelling like a bully, just like in the streets and the subways in prison. Well, let me tell you something. I'm one white guy. You, you stand up to me that way, I knock you down. How dare the hubris? How dare him? And then he continues. And so if I take times off to get my mental capacity together so I could take the city through the crisis, I deserve those two days. And my fellow New Yorkers believe I deserve those two days. Look, his staff is out there. His whole staff came out. Normally, they're not at a press conference except his press secretary. So they had all of his pre- uh, his staff come out. Yay! You're absolutely right. Take off a week. Take off a month. Yeah, take off a week. Take off a month. It couldn't be any worse than it was during Comrade Bill de Blasio because recently, believe it again, the hubris. He gave himself a B-plus for his first year. In the last debate I had with him at Channel 7, he gave Comrade Bill de Blasio a B plus. I gave him an F. This guy, boy, this guy believes in social promotion. <laughs> anyway, uh, he says if he has to uh, deal with things, his mind and body have to be properly modulated. Uh, well, uh, every mayor traveled away. I deserve private time. I'm a believer of that. I deserve to walk out of a building without a reporter hiding behind a flower pot, without someone following me. I deserve a moment to really de-escalate. And there will be many days that my body and my mind is going to tell me, Eric, you need to get away. You get away every night. You want to find a mayor at 9 o'clock at night? He's at Asteria Labai at 129 West 52nd Street. First of all, it's a lousy restaurant, lousy food, owned by his felony friends, Robert and Zahn Petroisians, where he gets all his free meals. And then at night, he goes to Club Zero Bond from 12 midnight till uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. You talk about that being work, and then he finished with this. And I'm not going to apologize for having the mental and physical capacity that's needed to do the second most difficult job in politics in America. All of you who cover me in the press, you know what time my days start, you know what time they end. You tell me another mayor that has had that level of work that I have. What are you talking about? Rudy Giuliani. And he wasn't going out to Club Zero Bond until the break of dawn. What the hell are you talking about? What drug are you on, Eric Adams? You wanted to be mayor. Start working hard because this city is a mess. It is Michigan. And that's why so many people are fleeing to Florida. You self-indulgent I and me instead of us and we. Just apologize. I'm okay.